Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Dave Walker, and you can call me DW. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, the one and only Gina Matt Online Thomas. Gina, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing great, David. Thanks. How are you? Uh, really good after this uh, draft weekend. It feels like for once the Falcons did not completely uh, side rail us, <laughs> which is what we're here to talk about. Um, and today we're joined by two of our writers, two of the guys who have helped at the site tremendously over this incredibly busy weekend. Uh, first and foremost, Eric Robinson, who is one of our draft experts, one of the guys who has been cranking out content about these young players that are going to be coming into the Falcons organization. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. And joining him uh, and us is uh, my partner in crime for the post-game podcast and we're talking about the one and only Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, I enjoy the lead, you know, the lead up to the draft, but the smoke being cleared and we all have to deal with the rumors and stuff for a while <laughs> is kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so nice to be out of smoke screen yeah. season. That's for sure. Uh, so we've already talked about on the Falcoholic podcast, we talked about our first round pick AJ Terrell, and we're going to have additional podcasts in the future diving deeper into each of our draft picks. But today, we're going to talk about the guys who were selected in days two and three, and that includes rounds two through seven. So for the Falcons, they had a second-round pick, a third-round pick, two picks in the fourth round, and then a seventh-round pick. So uh, due to some trades and some other earlier stuff that happened, uh, they did not have picks in the fifth and sixth rounds in this draft class. Um, but let's start at the very top, and that is the round two pick. I think coming into this pick, a lot of Falcons fans, myself included, were hoping that the Falcons would spend that pick either at linebacker or on the defensive line, either a defensive edge, defensive tackle, sort of interchangeable between the two. And what we got was one of those two. We got defensive tackle Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. And uh, – let me just say he is now my favorite Falcons player of all time ever but because of the man, this man knows how to give quotes. He is loaded with them. Gina, um, I know I, we had shared some of those quotes in our writer's chat and uh, the video of him saying some of the things he did. Um, what are your thoughts on this player, some of his uh, notable quotes uh, during the combine and during interviews uh, and just in general his fit for the team? 
First of all, I, yeah, I just love the pick. Um, immediately after the pick, a, a Falcoholic reader, a you know fellow Falcons fan, and a friend who went to Auburn, lives in Auburn, a Lindsey Crosby, he tweeted me that he was just going to be a quote machine and so much fun to cover. And um, so then the first thing that I saw was um, a, a guy who covers the Bucks tweeted a video from the Combine where he, he said that um, – his favorite thing about football is being able to just absolutely destroy people and nobody calls the cops. And I was like, yeah, this guy, I love him already. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think that he's a great fit. Uh, yeah. In terms of his talent and the way that he'll fit into the uh, defense, I think that he's a, a solid addition and, you know, you can tell um, just from seeing some of the, the post draft video interviews with him that he is just, beyond thrilled to be a part of this team. I think that he's a very good culture fit too. So I'm really excited to see how he fits in on that side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Eric, from a, a draft standpoint, looks like we have one more Falcoholic writers can be joining us. Uh, I'll introduce him in just a second. Um, but from a, from a, uh, a scouting standpoint, you see this player, uh, you've watched his tape. What do you see from Marlon Davidson that makes you – optimistic or pessimistic about his prospects for the future in the team? Well, real quickly, um, my dad was a huge Lawrence Taylor fan and he also enjoyed Deacon Jones as well. So I kind of learned about them at a very early age. And ever since learning about them, I always felt like defenders need to be a little loose in the head. (laughs) Um, In order for them to actually be, Something, and I've always felt that way, honestly. And Marlon Davis, I'm not calling him crazy, but he's kind of the kick in the pants that this Falcons team has needed for a while. Because, you know, I guess I, I think all you guys can agree with me. They've had pretty much choir boys on the team yeah. for the past, you know, just about the entire Dan Quinn era. So now, you know, it feels good to have somebody in the locker room that's, you know, going to say something like, hey, I'm going to beat this man and no one's going to arrest me and we're going to get a win. I love that. Um, from a scouting standpoint, you know, this, he reminds me, honestly, he has so many traits that are very similar to Grady Jerry. Um, mm. you know, he was used everywhere along the Auburn defensive line. Um, even a stand-up edge rusher, that's not what he's going to be at the next level. I hope they don't do that because he is, would definitely be a miscast, but from just, the you know, the compact frame, a little bit over 300 pounds, um, quickness off the ball, uh, better, uh, agility than, you know, giving credit for, for a guy his size. I think him and Grady have the potential to form a nice tag team duo on that interior and, and, you know, be a a force to be reckoned with over the next few years. Awesome. Um, Joining us uh, a little bit late, but not too late. uh, One of our other writers at the Falcoholic, Adnan Ikic. Adnan, thank you for joining us, man. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I was actually in earlier, but my uh, my computer was having some problems. Oh, I, but- I can't blame you. I had the same issue. So um, I'm going to jump to Evan. Evan, Marlon Davidson, your thoughts on the pick, the player, the talk, all of it. I thought it was a great start to the second day. Um, we definitely – I was looking more like thinking they, they'd look at linebacker, but, it, I mean, defensive line is definitely another need. Um, it's just like, like this is a quote, as Gina was mentioning, you know, that was another thing he said. This one, it's like he said, and this is a quote from him, when they pulled me out of the womb, I was destined for greatness. Like, I wish I had that level of confidence. This dude is going to be an attitude. 
that the Falcons defense needs. Um, it, it seems like they're done with the, you know, no offense to Vic Beasley, but they need somebody who's going to get more energy out of players. And this guy lined up with Grady Jarrett on the defensive line. Um, then you got Dante Fowler and Tack. You know, it's like I, I was very excited. My favorite day was day two, to be honest. So, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you. It, and obviously he has to prove it on the field. Uh, that is true with every player. But I think all of you have pointed to the fact that he is very vocal. He is passionate, uh, to say the least. Uh, his quotes are incredibly notable. And I, I do think it's fair to point out the difference between him and Vic Beasley. Vic being an incredibly sort of you know well-composed, quiet player, someone that didn't show uh, a lot of you know, I don't want to say he didn't show passion, but he just didn't seem as vocal, I think, as many fans wanted. He didn't seem interested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was kind of boring as a player. Um, Adnan, uh, Marlon Davidson, your thoughts on the round two pick for the Falcons? No, I love the pick. Uh, in all honesty, I was tracking the fall of AJ of Vanessa, and, you know, I was super excited when he was there on the board. Uh, we passed up on him, but. Uh, Getting Davidson, I have no qualms about it. He's someone who who has that kick, uh, who, who can who can pretty much kick a, a guard in the pants when it comes to <laughs> pass rushing. And uh, Dan Quinn said he's going to try and feature him on the inside, especially on pass rushing downs. He he was a beast last year. He had twelve and a half tackles for loss, which is the same amount as Derek Brown, who's his uh, famous Auburn teammate. He had seven sacks compared to Derek Brown's four last year. And I know that's not something where uh, we're not going to measure the impact of a defensive tackle purely on sacks, but that, that's, that's a nice little stat to have just to give us some perspective on just how dominant he was last year, even though he was overshadowed by Brown a little bit when it comes to the national media. Uh, this will be the best defensive tackle that Grady Jarrett will play next to since Don Terry Poe in 2017. And I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the fact that teams won't be able to just straight up double team Grady Jarrett without paying for it when it comes to Marlon Davidson or when it comes to Dante Fowler and Tack McKinley off the edge. This should, this should make the lives of McKinley and Fowler a lot easier as well, especially Tack McKinley. We know that, He's always just that one tick late. Uh, he, he piles up the pressures, but he, he's always just a split second late to the quarterback. Now having someone like a Marlon Davidson, who, who's just as formidable when it comes to pass rushing on the inside as opposed to, someone, as opposed to our uh, defensive tackles last year who weren't as formidable, that should, that, that should distract the quarterback just a little bit to maybe – maybe give Tack that split second to get to him. So, you know, yeah. I'm excited to see I'm excited to see the progression of Tack and Dante Fowler this year. I think they're they're huge winners when it comes to this Davidson pick as well as Grady Jarrett too. He he made he made first team all SEC honors last year. And that's playing next to Derek Brown. So wow. I mean that should say something. Yeah. Right. It's funny he's he's sort of flown under the radar. Um, in the draft talk, and we pick him up, and I think everyone on the site was like, wait a minute, who? And immediately hit the scouting reports and look at this guy, and it's like, oh, my God. How did this guy fly under the radar into the second round like this? But 
to Adnan's point, I was also watching the fall of AJ Epinesa and, and sort of was thinking, oh, he, he's a no-brainer pick here. And when they picked Davidson, I was like, all right, let's see what's going on with this guy. And the more I've read about him, the more I like. Uh, and clearly, he is a, a player that uh, has already captured the attention of Falcons fans, um, in part because he is showing uh, a level of uh, vocalness that we haven't seen out of many of our Falcons defensive leaders in the past. And that is something I think we've been missing. So, you know, maybe at the level of, you know, I'd say the last Falcons defender that I can remember that really had that loud sort of, you know, in your face type of voice was Deion Sanders who just sort of carried himself on a different level and of course backed it up on the field. And obviously we want to see what Davidson does on the field in the NFL, but love this pick purely from the, the quotes. He's, he is going to give us plenty to write about at the falcoholic.com. He just has that type of swagger and I love it. Like I yep. want our players to be trash talking in your face. I want us to be the bad guys for once. Yeah. <laughs> I, want us, I want us to be that hated team that everyone else in the league just despises, but that we love because they're our boys. And yep. I mean, that, that's something we have not had to your point. Uh, our players just haven't been vocal and you have the likes of Vic Beasley, just like lounging in the tunnel as Drew Brees leads a, a game winning drive in overtime against us. Um, it, it, it's just something that, it would be nice to have. It would be nice to be that that hated that those bad guys. I get tired of the Falcons being like the team that get picked on a lot. Like they get picked on more than the Browns. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's irritating. It really is. Like they're uh, that they're yeah. that, that nerdy kid in the cafeteria that's sitting by himself has no. Oh friend. no. Yeah, that's, yeah it's, that's that's where the Falcons are right now. Uh, I I want something resembling our 2011 offensive line. I remember uh, with uh, Harvey Dahl and uh, Justin Blaylock, uh, Todd McClure, all of those guys. I remember leading into the wild card round against the Giants. They were just complaining about our O-line, how it's dirty, how, you know, they they talk yeah. too much trash. I want that, but with our entire team. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like it. All right. The next pick, third rounder. My God, you could not pick a name that is more Atlanta than this guy. Um, and obviously the Falcons with this pick, I think many people were thinking, okay, linebacker makes a ton of sense, potentially safety. Um, but they went with a position that I think many people had tagged as, uh, you know, a potential pick in day two and three. And that was for interior offensive line, particularly at center. And that is the direction the Falcons went. They went with, um, guard slash center, Matt Hennessy, Hennessy. Hennessy, Hennessy, ATL. Come on. <laughs> it is perfect. Out of Temple. Um, this guy was ranked as one of the top uh, four or five centers, depending on uh, you know whose scouting reports you read. There were many people that thought he was going to go in round two. In fact, I saw some mock drafts that thought the Falcons might take him in the second round. Instead, they got him in round three. Um, so, Eric, I want to start with you here first on Hennessy. Uh, what do you think of this pick? How do you see him fitting in this year and into the future? Um, I, I think it's, it's an all-around all around solid pick. Um, Hennessy was pretty much on their draft radar ever since Senior Bowl. Um, you go back to Senior Bowl, I think they interviewed him there, and they also had another meeting with him at the Combine as well. So he was 
you know, on, on their list fairly early in the pre-draft process. There's really nothing special about Matt Hennessy. He's just a sound technician when it comes to being a blocker. Um, there's not a ton of red flags, but the, there's also, well, really there are no red flags, but there's also nothing that says, okay, he can be a perennial all pro or anything like that. He's just all around solid. Um, I think this year they're going to give him a shot at left guard. Um, and that's kind of sort of what I expected them to do. I don't think – I kind of believe that they want either Brown or Carpenter to win the job, but they're just going to let Hennessy compete just for the sake of competition. But I think it'd be better to kind of just look at Hennessy as the heir apparent at center next year to be a starter in 2021, um, which is great because now he can sit here, he can compete for a job. If he doesn't get it, cool. He can still learn the ropes from Alex Mack for 16 games, which is huge. And he'll be able to, you know, carry the torch next year. Yeah. Gina, um, your thoughts on this pick, uh, the, the value in getting him in round three, uh, it, the, the fact that, you know, the Falcons have someone lined up for, uh, to succeed Alex Mack, who is arguably uh, in the last few years of his career. Yeah, um, I, I actually love this pick. Um, I love that the Falcons are not just investing in the line and bringing in potential competition for that guard spot, um, but also that for once they're thinking ahead about what to do when a player is actually gone. The fact that they can bring Hennessy in and he'll have an opportunity to, to learn behind one of the league's best centers um, I think that it's just brilliant. And he was a tremendous value to get him in the third round. I just think that this is a, this is a really, really smart pick. I'm very pleased with it. Yeah. Uh, Adnan, thoughts on Hennessy, the future at center, and whether or not he can compete at left guard this year. Uh, I, think, I think he'll absolutely compete at left guard. And I think Dan Quinn has no choice but to give him the starting job if he outplays uh, Carpenter because Dan Quinn has a lot to lose this year. So it, it will truly be one of those uh, pure competition, best player wins. We're not going to look at who's making how much money. We're not going to look at uh, how much draft capital we invested in someone. It's just going to be purely on the field performance. And I'm excited. I'm excited about that. As for the pick itself, it's a tremendous value pick. Uh, we were looking at him possibly as a second round pick for the Falcons to take him the second round. And had the Falcons taken him in the second round, I think we would have been fine with it mm-hmm. just because he's he's arguably the best center in this draft. I know PFF ranked him as the best center in this draft. And that's a huge need to fill with uh, with Alex Mack. Uh, his, his days in Atlanta are numbered. And we'll need someone to take over because if not for this pick, the backup centers would have been Sean Harlow and Justin McRae. And neither of those guys have any experience at the NFL level playing center. And I truly think Matt Ryan would have died uh, had one of those (laughs) guys been the center. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for Hennessy to be groomed uh, to learn from one of the best in the business and Alex Mack and to take over next year as a starting center and maybe even to uh, get a few snaps at left guard, maybe even win the left guard position this year. I mean, could, could he possibly be worse than what we got at left guard last year? Oof. Yeah, I think uh, if you're comparing him to James Carpenter, Jamon Brown, um, Matt Gono, who I actually like a lot as a, as a prospect for the future, um, I would think Hennessy is going to be in the mix, and we'll see. Uh, hopefully that's going to play out well. 
Um, Evan, any final thoughts on Hennessy uh, and this pick in the third round for the Falcons? Um, I mean, there's not much more to add that everybody else hasn't said. I, I want to take a different take on it, though, that I find interesting. Um, I think we'd all agree that during the season, uh, Dimitrov and Quinn, like when they kept Austin Hooper and Devontae Freeman and who you know, probably true fine, instead of trading them, they, were lo- they weren't looking more towards the future. They were looking more towards the present and saving their jobs. Mm-hmm. I like that the Matt Hennessy pick – he could technically, you know, as Quinn, I believe, said, um, that he might compete for left guard. And that's fine if he wins a job. But if he doesn't, um, he's a long-term, hopefully, fit for when Alex Mack is done. And I think you, even if you don't want Dimitrov and Quinn to stick around, you want your general manager and coach to have long-term goals. And I think during the end of last season where they kept all those players instead of trading them, um, which they eventually ended up, you know, walking or getting released Uh, with picks like this, it's kind of looking more towards the future. And I think you want to have that outlook um, going forward. That's a great point. And I think uh, to that point, Evan, the many fans were expecting Dimitrov and Quinn, and I'm going to throw myself in that bucket to sort of try to go all in on this draft class. And I think in many ways, this draft class is reflective of uh, a GM and a coach that were still forward thinking and thinking about the future of this franchise. And this pick I think was the start of that. So yes, fantastic point. Um, and definitely something to keep an eye on because uh, in, I think Quinn and Dimitrov, if they're going to succeed, they cannot look at the season as the only season. They still have to be responsible with the roster, with the money. And so far it looks like they've been doing that. Okay. So before we jump into the picks in round four and round seven, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I am joined by my co-host, Gina Mad Online Thomas, and we've got three of our writers from the Falcoholic, Adnan Ikic, Eric Robinson, Evan Birchfield, joining us to talk about the Falcons' day two and day three picks through rounds two through seven. We've already talked about uh, their round one pick, A.J. Terrell, in the previous podcast. We're talking about the guys that they have now selected to fill out the rest of this draft class. We've talked about, uh, at this point, in the first half of the podcast, Marlon Davidson, Matt Hennessy. Let's get into some of these guys that came in a little bit later in this draft class. Uh, first, in round four, this one I think I was a little bit surprised, um, mainly because I had not heard this name before. Eric, I think you were the only player that had actually uh, identified this guy as a potential pick for the Falcons, so kudos to you, sir, and your fantastic work uh, in identifying these players. And they went linebacker. And let me first say the position makes a ton of sense. Clearly the Falcons have a need at linebacker uh, with the lack of depth they had there. Uh, Devondre Campbell walking in free agency, signing with the Cardinals. 
and they selected out of Fresno State, Michael Walker. Uh, and I don't know if I massacred his first name. I'm sure one of you will correct me, and I thank you for that ahead of time. It's Michael. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, Eric, I'll start with you first because you, you actually had watched some tape on this guy. You've got a little bit of uh, a feel for what he has to offer. So your thoughts on um, Walker out of Fresno State? Yeah, I, in my latest mock that I put out earlier this month, I had Walker going in the same round, same pick. Fourth wow. Round, fourth round, 119 overall. Um, he's a experienced starter at Fresno State. Uh, two-time first team, all Mountain West um, honors the past few years. Last, well, 2018, he actually made first team as a defensive end. And then 2019, he made first team as a linebacker. So he's played, I would, I would say, four different positions in the last two years. He pretty much played all three linebacker spots and defensive end while at Fresno State. Um, he's another guy that's just, you know, he doesn't wow you, honestly. He's not the greatest athlete in the world. He's not the fastest. You know, he's not going to hurdle offensive linemen left and right and get a sack. <laughs> but he's just overall solid. He's throwing the Fresno State tape. You know, he's always making tackles, man. He's everywhere. And I'm not talking like he's laying down next to a pile and gets a tackle, you know, gets credit for a tackle. No, he's making the tackle. Um, and and it kind of falls in line with pretty much the rest of this draft. And I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but this draft is totally different from past drafts with Falcons because just about all the players are like multi-year starters, not a guy that's only been starting for a year or two, like, literally every player has been a starter for like three years. So this was a veteran led draft, which means, you know, this team was, you know, the uh, Quinn and Dimitrov was kind of going for guys that are ready to go now, not projects. Um, and like I said, Walker fixed that mode. Um, I think he's, uh, Quinn said in press conference yesterday, they're going to give him a shot at weak side linebacker. Me personally, I think his position is probably strong side, Sam, um, and he will fill the the void left by Devondre Campbell, and he has some similarities to Devondre Campbell also. Excellent. Um, Gina, your thoughts on this pick, the position uh, in the fourth round, uh, the linebacker position, and, and just how you think Walker may fit into what the Falcons want to do in 2020? Gina? Uh, sorry, I was muted. Um, <laughs> I, and then I forgot I was muted. My washing machine is super loud. Um, yeah, I, I want to preface this by saying that everything that I know about Michael Walker came from our draft analysts here at the Falcoholic. But from what I've read of their takes, this sounds like an ideal Dan Quinn kind of pick. It's the versatility. It's... Um, you know, it's the tackling, the sure tackling. Obviously, that's something that Quinn places a priority on. And so um, I think that the length is another thing. It's something we've heard Quinn talk about since day yeah. one in Atlanta. He, he covets that length in defensive players. And so, and the ability to cover tight ends. I mean, think about how many times we've watched tight ends just eat this defense up over the middle. And so I think that that's really encouraging. So yeah, again, I think, you know, it seems like good value. seems like he has a lot of attributes that, um, that this team covets on defense. And so I'm excited to see what he can do. Yep. Uh, Adnan, your thoughts on Walker, whether or not he'll see the field in 2020 and whether or not you like this pick. Oh, I definitely think he'll see the field in 2020 looking at our linebacker depth, uh, which doesn't really exist beyond uh, <laughs> Boyle Lewick and, and Deion Jones. Uh, 
you know, a fourth round pick, uh, very, very versatile. Uh, can play all over the field, and I think that's one of the reasons why they decided to pull the trigger on him. Uh, so, uh, as opposed to someone like, like a Troy Die, who I was looking at with this pick, but uh, Walker can play all three linebacker positions. Reads the game very well. Has good size. Uh, the size is another reason I think they went uh, with him over Die. Uh, very, very short tackler, like Eric said. He he's not going to be someone who's going to really like who's who's going to wow you uh, again, like Eric said. But he's someone who's going to get the job done, and that's something that the Falcons desperately needed. They had to come out of this draft with, with another linebacker to start. And I'm still not completely sure about the linebacker depth uh, beyond the three starters. Mm-hmm. I'd still like for them to possibly look at a, a veteran linebacker after uh, post-June 1 when Desmond Trufant's money comes off the books. But yeah, I, I'm not, I cannot complain at all about getting a linebacker in the fourth round. It was desperately needed. And I think Walker is going to be – he's going to play a lot in 2020, judging by what the depth chart looks like right now. Excellent. I hope so. Um, Evan, any final thoughts on Walker, uh, the use of that fourth-round pick on linebacker, uh, the fit for the team, et cetera? Um, like you and Gina said, I really didn't know who he was. Um, basically just read up on what everybody on com was saying um, from our other writers. And, I mean, it was a need we knew we had to address sometime going into the draft. Um, I thought it would be a little earlier, but – in hindsight, I love how it turned out. Um, he sounds like he's going to fit right in. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about it, um, mainly because I like who we got ahead of him so that it, if for a fourth-round value, if he lives up to what everybody's – all the good stuff they've said about him, uh, you know, it could be, you know, a pretty good steal. I, I think it's uh, encouraging that we didn't draft another linebacker out of LSU at this point. <laughs> I think we've <laughs> – and there was plenty of them. <laughs> there were plenty of them. I think we've exceeded the uh, our quota on the uh, LSU linebackers. And, of course, I love the one that we kept. Uh, we had another one, and I can't even remember his name. Whatever. Some guy that liked to pull trucks and stuff. Like yeah, that. he was good at pulling trucks and not much else. Uh, <laughs> all right. Moving on to our next pick in the fourth round. Um, this one, I think, was interesting. Um You know, honestly, at this point, I think you could have uh, identified any number of positions the Falcons may have drafted. I think a lot of people were expecting maybe another defensive end, a project uh, as a pass rusher, possibly linebacker again, uh, running back as another position. Uh, And they went with a safety and they went with Jalen Hawkins out of California. Um, So, Adnan, I want to start with you here first. Uh, were you surprised by this pick? Or were you surprised that they went with safety considering they've got Ricardo Allen, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, all basically slotted in for safety in 2020? Uh, I'm not surprised that they came away with the safety in this draft just because uh, with Keanu Neal, uh, as much as I hate to say it, he is a big injury risk at this point. Uh, back-to-back, very, very serious injuries. And uh, I hope that Keanu can get back to 100% and that he has a long and healthy career. With Hawkins himself, I I felt like this was a bit of a reach pick. This was the first pick where I was kind of scratching my head after it happened. 
uh, he, he's a big hitter. He has, he has good instincts uh, in the secondary, but he's very, he's pretty slow. And uh, the scouts say that his lack of speed will really cap his ability to really be a long-term starter in the NFL but uh, he'll, be, he'll be a key contributor on special teams. He has the tools and attributes to be great on special teams from day one. And uh, he'll probably be the backup strong safety behind Keanu Neal. But he's someone who, who I really felt like it, this was a bit of a reach in the fourth round. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want to say as a blanket statement, oh, they should have just traded back and gotten him because you, you never know uh, – if you didn't have any trading partners, but this feels like one of those where if the Falcons also had a fifth round pick, they wouldn't have taken Hawkins in the fourth and they would have probably waited until the fifth round to take him. Yeah. Um, Gina, your thoughts on Jalen Hawkins, the use of a safety in this draft class and how he may fit in for 2020 and beyond. Yeah, I, I think the key thing to remember is that right now, um, aside from obviously the injury risks with Keanu Neal, which does really concern me for his future, uh, we do not have, the Falcons do not have a safety under contract beyond the season. And so I think for that reason, the pick makes sense. Um, I realize that he may have been a bit of a reach, but yes, if they didn't have a trade partner, you know, that kind of uh, makes it more difficult to, to move back, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, just from the perspective of not having any safeties under contract beyond uh, 2020, I feel fine with this pick. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say, as an addendum to that, it's really hard to speak to what NFL teams have on their draft board as far as where guys are ranked. Uh, we only can go off of what we see on the internet from various experts. And, you know, if, if Hawkins was a sixth round, seventh round draft pick, it's possible the NFL had him higher or lower. It's impossible to know for sure. Obviously fourth round to Adnan's pick uh, point, you know, maybe he would win the fifth, but they didn't have that pick. And that could have certainly been an influence here. Um, Evan, your thoughts on Hawkins and, and his future with the team. I also had no idea who he was, but <laughs> my my outlook on it is I'm trying to stay optimistic because one of the few things I do have faith in either, I don't know who's more to um, get the credit, but Dan Quinn and Dimitrov together is their secondary picks have been pretty good. Um, mm. Just, I mean, you look at like DeMonte KZ was a fifth round pick. Um, I mean, Keanu Neal, when they picked him, I knew who he was, but I thought that was a reach. And he's, I mean, injuries happen, but when he's on the field, that's turned out to be a, you know, a pretty solid pick. Um, so, I mean, I have more faith in like hoping what, what, what's going to happen with it. Kendall Sheffield, you know, it's, it's still young in his career. So it's kind of hard to make a judgment call on that, but he's looked promising. And I think Dan Quinn's even mentioned that he, he's going to be like a, uh, corner one or whatever um i so i'm gonna just hold out hope and just hope you know something happens good with uh hawkins because i mean we did need a safety long term so that's another looking towards a future pick i think but um yeah but from what the scouts have said it doesn't sound very promising (laughs) um eric wrap us up on hawkins your thoughts on this pick the player uh how he may fit in 
Um, you know, the, the pick was definitely one that I questioned. Um, I get what they were trying to do. I get where they were going. I just don't get the player exactly. Um, you know, you, you look at his tape, you look at his numbers. Um, he, he produced, but, you know, um, he played both free and strong safety, but, I, you know, here he's going to be slotted as, you know, as strong safety backing up Keanu Neal. Um, I didn't see a ton on film as far as him um, being reliable or him playing a position full time enough for me to say, okay, he's definitely a strong safety. Um, he's physical, but in hindsight, that got him in trouble a little bit in college because yeah. he, he drew some flags, drew some penalty for unnecessary roughness. Um, he does have ball skills. And the ball skills translate from him actually being a former receiver. He came to the University of Cal as a receiver slash ah. So he has ball skills, yeah. Um, but is it ball skills to the point where you trust him on the back end? I don't know about that. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll have to actually see him on the field and, you know, in action and see, okay, if we can get a good feel for him. But I can tell you right now, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it is a reach. Um, there were better safeties on the board. Uh, Antoine Brooks from Maryland was one that comes to, that comes directly to mind. That can you know he's he's built very similar to Keanu Neal. Would have been a nice pick in the fourth round, in my opinion. But um, we'll see what what Hawkins can give him. Um, he fits that whole versatility tag that you know Dan Quinn loves. So I'll yeah. give him that. Um, I'll give him the physicality thing. I think that's you know that's a coachable trait. Um, but I just. I, 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 this is one I look at and say, I'm not quite sure he's really going to be, he's going to give them anything, even if it's a situation where they're going to have to rely on him. I'm not quite sure he's, he's that answer. Yeah. That, that seems to be the, the consensus I've read is the, you know, the first four picks before him, people understood and were on board with thought there were some, you know, some good value with those guys. Uh, Hawkins seems to be the first pick of this draft class. And thank God it was in round four, not in round one. Um, he seems to be the first pick of this draft class where people were scratching their heads a little bit and saying, uh, there were some other guys, you know, we thought would have ranked ahead of him that, you know, projected better to the NFL than Hawkins. But again, you know, we ultimately have to see these guys on the field and see how they perform. Uh, he was flagged a few times for targeting uh, in California from what I read that's going to be, you know, something they'll have to get under wraps, obviously, in the NFL. Um, so, uh, it, arguably, he's going to start on special teams, and we'll go from there. Uh, because right now, uh, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, DeMonte Casey, they're slotted in as the, uh, the three guys that will lead the, the charge of safety uh, one way or the other. And uh, Hawkins will have to earn his stripes. Um, all right. I, I would have loved to see him go edge rusher here. I mean, yeah, it, I think there was there were still some guys on the board that could have been yeah enough options and yeah they they didn't go that way so we'll see but I I mean that, to me that was the bigger need compared to just trying to find a backup strong safety in round yeah. four yeah and it, I will say the uh, the Falcons are going to get about ten million in cap space uh, on June second when Desmond Trufant's uh, contract comes off the books. Uh, there is talk, hope, if you will, that some of the free agent pass rushers that have not signed yet, like Everson Griffin uh, and um, – oh, my God. Uh, Cam Wake. Uh, Cam Wake. Uh, he didn't officially retire, did he? 
No, he did not. So I there, think they said he would. He was, and then it came out that he actually wasn't, or something. There was a confusing day. Yeah. So that, there's some hope that the Falcons, with that 10 million of cap space, about four to five million they'll need for the rookie class, um, that they'll be able to go after another free agent pass rusher. We'll see. I'm not sure that that's in the cards, but um, I'm, I'm with Eric. I think a, another pass rusher in, in this part of the draft would have made a little bit more sense. Um, now for the most intriguing pick on day three. (laughs) Um, This one has elicited some reactions. um, And I mean, it's the seventh round. So I want to get this out of the way first. Most seventh rounders do not make NFL rosters. Um, If anything, they, they get, you know, put on the practice squad uh, it's very rare that you see a seventh-round draft pick uh, really pan out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and this is, if you're going to draft a position like this, it's probably best to do it in the seventh round. So, Gina, I want to go to you first. The Falcons selected punter Sterling Hoffrichter. Mm-hmm. And Not a yes, his real name. It cannot be his real name. <laughs> the last time they drafted a punter was in 2011 when they drafted um, Matt Bosher, who has, you know, to that point, has worked out pretty well, even though it looks like they're moving on for him at this point. Um, your thoughts on, number one, a guy whose first name is Sterling in the year 2020, <laughs> and number two, the fact that the Falcons drafted him to play punter in 2020. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure that they couldn't have gotten him as an undrafted free agent. Um, I will say, you know, a lot of people have been talking about how undrafted free agency is really different this year because everything has had to be done virtually. And these are players that they really haven't had as much time to, you know, to scout because they've been preparing for the draft. And so, um, I think that that is probably part of the reason that they went ahead and grabbed him when they could, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a punter in the seventh round. Like, I'm just not going to get that worked up <laughs> one way or the other. I, I cannot muster the emotional energy for anything other than, sure, this seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's where I am after working more than 40 hours since Thursday. <laughs> I, I, amen. I hear you. Um, Evan, your thoughts on seventh round punters, and in particular, Mr. Sterling Hoffrichter. I actually might be in the minority, but I didn't mind the pick um, just because I think it's still a position of need. They had, you know, they did sign Ryan Allen, who was pretty great last year. Him and Bosher both finished with the same exact yards per punt average, which was weird, 41.9. Bosher is now gone. They had technically five punters last year between Bosher, Allen, Weil, Redfern, and and they kind of tipped their hat, you know, uh, before the, I think it was, what was it? Was it day two or day three? They got rid of, um, got was his name, Sam Irwin Hill or whatever? Yep. Um, it was yesterday morning. Oh, yesterday morning. Okay. So it was before the round, the day started. Um, so they got rid of the punter, the other punter who was on it. So Ryan Allen um, now has competition as it should be. Um, apparently he was uh, first team all ACC the last two years. Um, so, I mean, there's potential there. And if you have a punter, you know, who sticks around like Matt Balsher did, um, I, I think that's a win for a seventh round pick considering our last seventh round pick, I think was Devin Fuller and that really didn't go anywhere. So, yeah. 
Um, Eric, round us out. Your thoughts <laughs> on I mean, uh, a punter in the seventh, man. Well, for one thing, you know, with their pick so spaced out, I was waiting forever for this pick. Right. And then the pick finally came, and it was a damn punter. Like, <laughs> seriously, like we, I waited all afternoon for you guys to pick a punter when there was a punter already on the roster, but whatever. Um, you know, I, I guess. I guess <laughs> I guess it's a good pick. I, I, the, the kid can kick. He's versatile. Yeah, he's yeah he can kick. He, uh, he's uh, had kickoff duty. Um, at Syracuse at time. He even um, registered a 52-yard field goal while at Syracuse at one point. So he's versatile. But how versatile do you need your punter to be nowadays? Like I, I, <laughs> That is something I don't actually require from my punters. But, <laughs> but I, again, I guess I'll go with it. But they were – again, it was another chance for them to try to, try to get an edge rusher, and they didn't. Uh, so, yeah, let's go with it. I guess that he's the next right guy. Sure. (laughs) If he plays out like Matt Bosher did, I guess you could say, all right, he's a seventh rounder who made the roster and, you know, hopefully can contribute for uh, many years to come. I I can see if it was a field goal kicker. Okay. Maybe seventh round. Nobody's going after a punter in round. There was going to be, they can close their eyes and pick one when the draft was over. I mean, yeah. it was, so that's, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I mean, everyone values certain positions more than others, but yeah, no one was going to be climbing over other teams to get a punter in round seven. I don't know. I heard there was a lot of buzz around Hoffrichter. So. <laughs> because of his name. That's why. Because that's of, why. Sterling. Yeah, he has a fake ID name. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, that's <laughs> not- <laughs> this is a guy that you send to the uh, the the bottle shop to buy the beer for the uh, the eighteen year olds. You can't you can't pronounce the name, so you just all right, whatever. Yeah, it's real, and you just sell them the beer. That's what it is. That's that's exactly. That's the point. I will say this: at least Hopperter doesn't have a uh, crazy alt right militia tattoo like. Oh. <laughs> No, I mean, no, he's fair, not that one for him. <laughs> fair point. I'm glad this guy doesn't have, you know, like a, a Nazi sign. You know. <laughs> Great point, Gene. I, I we got to take joy where we can find it here when we're talking about that. seven round hunter. I really would have been questioning that. Like, seriously. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I'm glad that our punter is not also a, uh, a car carrying member of the KKK. So, yeah, um, right. I've, uh, I'll go with that. We're, <laughs> and arguably, we're setting the bar very, very low for what we expect out of a punter. But <laughs> uh, apparently, there are NFL teams that find that a, a desirable trait. Um, we're going to leave that one alone at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps up the, the Falcons draft class. So as a, a real quick synopsis, uh, here is what the Falcons did in 2020. First round. They selected cornerback A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Second round, defensive tackle Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. Third round, center Matt Hennessy out of Temple. Fourth round, Michael Walker out of Fresno State. Linebacker and Jalen Hawkins, safety out of California. And, of course, in the seventh round, Sterling Hoffrichter, punter. Um, so, I, I, real quick, Gene, I'm going to start with you here. After seeing how this played out, knowing the needs the Falcons had, looking at the, looking at the value of these players in each round, how do you feel about the Falcons' 2020 draft class? 
You know, overall, I'd probably give it a B. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that there wasn't more of an emphasis on the pass rush, even though I love Davidson. I think that he can be a really disruptive player. Um, I don't hate the A.J. Terrell pick. Um, you know, I, they needed a corner. I think that they knew that he wouldn't get past the Raiders. Um, I love the Hennessy pick. I like the Walker pick a lot. Hawkins, I at least get it because, you know, they probably needed a safety. And like I said, I mean, I just can only muster so much emotional energy about a seventh round punk. <laughs> I have any alt-right militia tattoos. And so overall, I think that I'd give it, you know, a B. Um, the the whole effort i'm i'm pretty pleased with it i'm not mad online about it and so um we all know that that's unusual so yeah i, I think it's pretty good awesome uh evan your thoughts on this uh 2020 falcons draft class yeah uh, i mean as y'all said the only thing that was really missing was the edge player but overall i would give it a b um i mean every draft could be better technically but i think it was pretty solid um it I don't want to say it out loud, but it did give me optimism for this upcoming season. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, Eric, you've spent a lot of time looking at these players in this uh, class. Give us your thoughts on what the Falcons did with uh, their 2020 draft picks. I mean, overall, I think it was a pretty solid class. You know, I, I, I don't love the AJ Terrell pick, but I don't hate it either. Um, especially when you get to the backstory about how a lot of teams viewed AJ Terrell, AJ Terrell as a first rounder anyway. Right. Um, the Raiders were interested in him, as was the Saints. So at very least, they stole him from a division, a division rival. So ah, uh, good point. Uh, like I said, overall, it was I, I, I'll give it uh, you know a B. Uh, it was it wasn't a star studded class. There were really no headliners. Um, to me, there were better players on the board at each position, but they chose guys that, I, like I said earlier, they chose guys that are NFL ready, that are ready to contribute year one. So, um, and I appreciate the fact that they didn't really take any projects, any type of guys that you look at and say, hey, they're going to need about two years of coaching before they're ready to go. No, they, they got guys that are veterans at the collegiate level and they're ready to go now. So, um, yeah, I I just wish they would grab another edge rusher, and I I kind of feel like they're playing with fire this year, like just like they did last year. Honestly, mm-hmm. even with signing Dante Fowler, I still feel like they're depending way too much on hoping that a certain guy steps up instead of just accumulating bodies and having a plethora of options. I, 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 yeah, I feel like they're they're playing with fire right now when it comes to that. Yeah, I think that's. I think all of you sort of summarized where I am, where most people are. I feel like this is a good, not great draft class. Um, a bunch of names that uh, tick off the boxes, uh, and you know, one pick that maybe was questionable, and and or maybe two. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to argue over seventh rounders, um, and ultimately, you know, these guys are going to prove it on the field one way or the other. Uh, and whether or not they can talk, whether or not they've you know got burned in the championship game, is going to be completely irrelevant when you know September October rolls around. And and you know that's what is so great about the NFL is that these guys ultimately uh, their success is determined not by what happened in college. You know now that they've gotten here, they're on the team. The only thing that matters is what they do going forward. Can can I say something real quick? Yeah, uh, hit me. To, to the listeners who are still 
hanging stuff over AJ Terrell's head because of one game. Like, let it go, man. Like, <laughs> it was the last game in his collegiate career. He's been starting for two and a half years. Let it go. It's you. Uh, Joe Burrow and their receivers made a lot of cornerbacks look dumb. Yes. They embarrassed every defense last yes. season. Every last one of them. They made they scored two touchdowns on CJ Henderson. Yep. And gave up a hundred yard game to Jamar Chase. Let it go. It happens. Yep. Uh, fantastic point. And to that point, uh, on the Falcon podcast, we're gonna try to get with some of the uh, the team sites that have covered these players from a collegiate level to get their deeper thoughts, especially uh, Terrell uh, and Davidson, uh, to, to get a good feel for what they saw from these guys in their time uh, in college. And hopefully that will give you guys a bit more perspective because, you know, seeing someone in their worst moment should never be a barometer for how you judge them as a prospect and how you judge them for the future. And I, I think we, we could say safely that none of us want to be judged by that. You know, none of us want to be judged by our worst moment uh, in our careers to say that that is who we are and will forever be. Uh, and I, I think it is unfair to put uh, any of these players uh, under that sort of criticism uh, for their careers in the NFL going forward. Uh, thank you, Eric. Fantastic point. Um, so we're going to wrap this one up. Guys, thanks for joining. Uh, Gina, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? You can find me at Gina Thomas on Twitter, where I am often posting pictures of my dog um, <laughs> in about a week and a half. So right now, my tweets might mostly be wedding related. Uh, it turns out that even Ooh. having a small virtual wedding at home uh, is a lot of work and a lot of stuff to pull together. So that's kind of where I am right now. Um, we're doing a theme week across our SB Nation team brands this week. It's going to be Jersey theme week. We should have some fun Falcon stuff up on the Falcoholic because obviously we've got new jerseys to talk about. So keep an eye out for all of that. And um, otherwise you can find me in my house uh, because I do not intend to get coronavirus again or give it to anybody else. So I will be right here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if the I don't care if the bowling alleys are open. I am not going bowling. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, um, Evan. Remind our listeners where they can find you. What you've got going on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Um, I mean, you should be checking out the Falcoholic all the time, anyways, just because there's so much content, especially now that the draft is over and you're looking for stuff to read. But in specific, um, I, me and Dave Cho, uh, who runs the Falcoholic, he we put together the uh, Falcons undrafted free agent tracker because um, yes. there are players who didn't get drafted, but you know, many of them have a possibility of making the roster like Ryan Schrader did. And uh, like Alameda Sakias, who's on the current roster, he was undrafted. So it's not like the end of their football journey. So they did sign about 18 or 19. Um, so you can look at the tracker and see that. Um, what else? Oh, the uh, rookies uh, selected their jersey numbers. You can see that also on the falcoholic.com. What uh, jersey numbers the rookies we just talked about um, will will wear um, this upcoming season. And then tomorrow, I believe, or Monday, um, I had an interview with Morton Anderson, which is going to post on Monday. So, yes. Yeah. And that's about it. Fantastic. Eric, same question to you. Where do they can find you? What you've got going on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Uh, uh, today was released 
my Marlon Davis and scouting report along with on my Twitter page, a, a ton of, you know, film review that I um, looked over again after, after the draft was completed. So I have film review on him against Oregon, LSU, Georgia, and uh, things of that nature. Um, as, you know, draft season is over and I'm going to try not to go into a deep depression because of it. So <laughs> um, I'll have to try to find something to do. Um, until then, yeah, I'm, I guess I'll get started in 2021, I guess, maybe. Uh, it's never too early for um, <laughs> for, for draft takes. <laughs> sure. A little bit early. <laughs> um, Adnan had to bail out a little bit early, uh, but guys, you can find him on Twitter at Say Which Way. And of course, his articles at thefalcoholic.com. Before we close out this podcast, I want to give a big shout out to the Falcoholic team that killed it uh, yeah. during the draft, uh, during the week leading up. And of course, during the draft, uh, that includes uh, Dave Choate, uh, Gina Thomas, Adnan Ikic, um, Carter Brazil, Corey Woodruff, Eric Robinson, Evan Birchfield, uh, Everett Glaze, uh, James Rail, Kevin Knight, and uh, Matt Chambers. So guys, fantastic job of covering the draft uh, and, and keeping the content rolling at thefalcoholic.com. So guys, if you're looking for ongoing content about the Falcons as we prepare for the 2020 season, head over to the site. And of course, check us out here weekly at thefalcoholic.com podcast. You can find me at DW on Twitter and our podcast handle is falcoholicpod. Uh, subscribe there and pay attention to uh, our updates as they come in uh, with new analysis for our draft picks, free agency, so on and so forth. So, Regina, Madeline Thomas, Adnan Ikic, Eric Robinson, and Amber Birchfield, this is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk with you next time.